Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a sombre time in the UK and around the world at the moment, of course, with this virus taking hold. And what we're going to do today is have a look at how it's impacting cricket generally and also county cricket specifically. We've got Angus Fraser on the programme a bit later, the Middlesex Director of Cricket, to explain how it exactly affects a county currently trying to look ahead to the season, though nobody knows exactly what that season will behold. I just should mention as well, there is a a new Cricketer magazine out, and one of the reasons we're doing this subject today, Simon, in a way, is because the new magazine has the wall chart Mm. that documents the summer, tries to help people navigate the complexities of the summer schedules as far as cricket is concerned. There are 18 different colours on it. And, of course, it is the free wall shot we give away every year with, with the county season previews. But we printed that last week not knowing what's happened since, which is all sport has been cancelled practically. You might have to print another one. Yeah, well, we, we probably will, actually. Mm. I think in the summer, when... Hopefully all this has has cleared up or or got a bit easier and maybe fixtures are about to happen or are going to happen, then perhaps we'll do a a redraft of the fixture list and the the wall chart. In the second half of this podcast, we're going to have a look at The Test, which is the Amazon Prime documentary about the Australian cricket team and their attempt to win back their supporters after Sandpaper Gate. I've watched all eight episodes. I've watched them over the weekend. I've nothing else to do. That's, I, that's I, I binge-watch them. That's really silly because you should save them up. <laughs> There's going to be no cricket potentially for the next month maybe, so you should have just staggered them. But we appreciate the fact that you've watched them all so you can give us a bit of a preview. Yeah, well, that's why I did it, Jozo, so I can come today actually armed with all knowledge rather than just having watched three or four of the episodes. Right, so lots of people probably interested to know, with very little sports news out there at the moment, uh, what is going to happen to county cricket. Uh, It's obviously due to start in two weeks' time, 
2nd of April. I think there's some university matches. Obviously, the MCC v Essex Champion County game has already been called off. Well, that was going to be played in Gaul. Yes. Between the two test matches, Gaul and, and Colombo, after the first test, off, yeah. Mm. And clearly, you know, the cricket authorities feeling the pressure from other sports. It almost seems like it's a sort of snowballing effect. Once one sport calls itself off or postpones or whatever, then other sports sort of feel like they should follow suit. But what are the the likelihoods of county cricket being played in the next, say, month? Probably fairly slim. Let's hear from Angus Fraser. I mean, they were actually out in Amman, weren't they, the, the Middlesex players? And he explained, he told you how it came about that they came home. Well, I suppose with the sort of the the raising of tensions and, and obviously the awareness of the sort of escalate, escalation of the coronavirus meant there was a bit of sort of doubt as to whether we would go. But we got good advice. The doctor at Middlesex was very strong in saying that he felt that we should go ahead with it and he wouldn't have any qualms in going. So um, in some ways, probably going to be a safer place this you're in the middle of nowhere training as a group of young men and you're not sort of knocking around London and as you are over here. So we went over there expecting to sort of... The bowlers went first. They'd have been there for about 12, 13 days and the batsmen came three or four days later when hopefully the bowlers were up to speed. And everything was going on. I suppose that whilst we're away, though, the... The news back here started to sort of US shuts the border uh, and things like that, and it raises eyebrows and conversations between families. Obviously, get a bit more angsty, and there was a sort of sense of are we doing the right thing by staying out there? Uh, then there was the the government sort of directive that they weren't going to shut the schools last the end of last week, which calmed everybody. But then the following day, England pulled out of the tour to Sri Lanka, and I think. For us, that was the game-changer and the fact that if England uh, are bringing their players back, uh, then we should be doing the same. And what's the prognosis for them now, then? Uh, well, we'd just say we were supposed to be there until Thursday this week, so everybody was coming back on the 19th. We uh, owe my air, to be fair to them. They looked after us really well and uh, changed the seats around. So we flew back last night, uh, got in early this morning. Players got a couple of days off and... We're looking to train at Merchant Taylor's School on Thursday. So until, I suppose, someone tells us match A, B, C or D is, is not taking place, we carry on working as though match A will take place. And I suppose match A, official match A for us is the university game, uh, which is on the 2nd of April. We've got the warm-up game against Kent before then. I'll have a word with Paul Downton this week uh, in the next day or so to see where they are at. But... I think the situation here is that we're all being guided by figures above us and they will let us know whether we're allowed to play these games or not. And uh, I'm accepting there's a bigger bigger pitch here. Whilst we sit here having prepared for a season for five and a half months uh, or four and a half months during the winter, and it's very important to a lot of people, uh, there's something much bigger and more important taking place. And... Uh, cricket's just a small part of the whole thing, really. So, uh, is it uh, very hard to kind of plan because you literally you're you're trying to build up? You've obviously constructed this careful preparation process to get the players at full bore by the time the season starts officially 
county championship starts on the 12th of April. And now you're suddenly not knowing, are these matches going to be played? So do you uh, encourage the players to sort of rein back on their preparation? Or do you think of still trying to make them um, focus on building to a peak? They're still still working to build into a peak. So our first major match starts at Lords on the 12th of April against Worcestershire. So we're still working towards that. And therefore, the selection of sides and the, the, the way we use players will be to get hopefully everybody in the best shape they can be in, in good form for that date. But um, also you're doing that knowing that things are likely to change and um, I don't think anybody's expecting really there to be much cricket played in April. So I think we're all here just waiting for someone to say, right, the first three rounds or the first X rounds of the county championship are, are, are cancelled as, as we sit here now. And then we'll have to sort of adjust things accordingly. So I think we're... I suppose we're making up as we go along, but making up as we go along from a qualified position is interesting. So we've got a marquee, uh, which we train under a Merchant Taylor School, which is magnificent. And I've had a couple of counties who obviously pulled out of their their pre-season tours asking whether they come and use the facility. And as I said, look, it's not just me being a mean, grumpy so-and-so, but we've only got so many pitches in there. And unfortunately, we need them for our players rather than than your players uh, at this moment in time. So we might be ahead of the game by having the marquee up if we do start uh, on the 12th of April. If cricket doesn't start till later than that, um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of outdoor without marquee facilities that uh, uh, that are being used around the country. The decisions are going to come from higher than us. So whilst we might sort of sit here uh, as a county sort of wondering how the season is going to open up. Um, we will be directed by the ECB, who will probably receive some sort of uh, directive from the government above them. So I, I, it's one of those ones where, whilst you're frantically trying to sort of second-guess what's going to take place, uh, when we're not in any shape or form in control of the decision-making. So you've just got to, I suppose, go to bed each evening saying, well, what's happened? Well, how we how we play today, but it might all be looking completely different 24 hours later. Cricketers are not very good at being inactive, are they, generally? No, I mean, and they enjoy playing. <laughs> um, playing is fun. There are always some players who would rather be injured than play, but we know we've had them in every dressing room that we've, we've been involved in. But um, they want to play, they want to get out there, they want to show their skills, and I suppose that's going to be the challenge if there is a a lengthy delay in the start of the season. It's how do we keep them fresh, energised, focused, uh, when there isn't a sort of a, a game of cricket in sight in three, five, ten, twelve days' time, if you see what I mean. So I think every cat will be trying to be quite innovative there in how it can maybe get some sort of middle practice. Again, if, if this is allowed, this is the thing. We don't know quite or we try, it's difficult to anticipate where we might be able to play and whether gatherings of 30 people, <laughs> so you prefer you're playing staff, umpires, scorers, coaches, staff, etc., whether, 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 whether gatherings of 40 or 50 people in the middle of a green field throwing a bit of leather around is, is going to be permissible or not. 
Well, that's Angus Fraser, the director of cricket at Middlesex. What's interesting about that is it's how he started by, by saying, well, we were out there, you know, we felt very safe out there, but once England decided to come home, it's it, it, that snowball effect. Well, we thought we'd probably better come home as well. And, and I think it's probably sometimes pressure from home. I think if you're away from home training or playing and you, you speak to your family and... You know, you can imagine a totally different situation going on in London with the families of players, Middlesex players, compared to what they were experiencing in Oman, where probably the, the, the coronavirus was hardly affecting them at all. Yeah. And, you know, they were just getting on with their daily training, probably practising a few hygienic things at the end of the day and then having a fairly normal life in a hotel. But when you then hear stories from home and your wife, girlfriend, parents grandparents, you know, are sort of relaying messages from home. It yeah. starts to play on your mind. I know Joe Root would have felt that, and probably the other England players. And it starts to sort of stop you from... It starts to affect your focus, whether you're training or playing. And you start. I think you start feeling a bit guilty, actually, and the feeling that you should be back at home to sort of look after and reassure all your next of kin. I mean, it moved very quickly. The England story moved very quickly. I had a conversation last Wednesday where I was asked about going to Sri Lanka. I was actually supposed to be flying out today. And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still going to go on Monday, you know, in, in five days' time. No doubt about it, I'd go. And then within two days, the, the tour was called off. Actually, the day after that, we got, I've got a fairly strong indication the tour was going to be called off. I mean, there's, I mean, there was a major point here in that there were lots and lots, thousands of supporters going from England to Sri Lanka for the tour and you know do the Sri Lankan authorities want lots of people coming from an area where people have been infected to a country where not that many people had been infected and there was that aspect to it and then there was the player aspect as well that you know if someone among the players got sick then everyone would have had to be quarantined or even actually if someone had got sick within the hotel they were staying in had got sick so they'd have to possibly quarantine everybody so you know that would have Create a sort of lockdown situation, and in the end, it just felt that the there were too many uncontrolled. Exactly, the, the, yeah. The, sort of, the pressure was just building and building and building, really, and it, it became irresistible. And it seems, with the government's advice today, that we're moving a step closer to there being uh, no cricket this season, you know, no sport in general, and you know, all sorts of different measures being imposed to try to prevent the the virus spreading so a yeah, really difficult situation for cricket you can yeah, you can totally understand why the England tour was was called off but I mean it's going to leave a, a huge I mean, it's a vacuum isn't it in, in, in people's yeah people's life people love people love their sport it's, it's it's a huge thing yeah I mean Angus Fraser there said that cricket's a triviality well in a way it's not is it because people live for it you know, the professional game is something that, that people follow very avidly. Uh, memberships and subscriptions of clubs, obviously, people are very attached to it. I think a lot of people, it's a highlight of their week, isn't it? Going to a game, whether it's football or cricket, uh, going to a game or at the rugby weekend. Or whatever, yeah. yeah, any sport that they follow. Uh, partly it's an escape from perhaps a, a, a fairly boring job. It's the thing they look forward to at the weekend. It's also camaraderie, joining up with other supporters, meeting up and exchanging the, the debate about the game, the discussions about players. Uh, it's something they absolutely live for. And suddenly it's going to leave a massive hole in their lives. Yeah. And as well, people saying, it, you know, it's, it's trivial. There's another side to this as well. And that is the, the sport 
is woven into the fabric of not just our lives, but our economy as well. You, you think of something like football not being played and the knock-on effect, the huge knock-on effect of that as well. You, know, you think of hotels, people, you know, the crowds that come and for an event that stay in the hotels. You think of taxis, you think of trains, you think of coaches, you think of restaurants, you think of food outlets, you think of stewarding, you think of the, the, the media outlets as well uh, who, who want to, to show the action and the people who, who pay to watch it on, on television. I mean, that that's just a, a small number of people who who are affected by this. And there's a huge economic effect of, of not playing sport. Sport is not trivial. Sport is hugely important to uh, the economy. It's, it's, it's a big business. And you look at the way sport is covered in newspapers. So on the front of newspapers is news, and on the back is sport, because it really does keep the, the, the country going. It keeps the world turning around. In fact, I've, I've just finished a book on the importance of the business of cricket in the world and how T20 has made cricket sustainable in many countries, not just India, where it all started, really. The huge surge of interest in the IPL created wealthy players and obviously owners and sponsors and broadcasters and so on are very attached to it. And mentioning the IPL, by the way, that, of course, has been postponed until initially April the 15th, though I have heard from the owners in constant discussions that they'll probably try and play a much shorter IPL, perhaps in May, a sort of three-week tournament where they only use perhaps three or four venues in the south of India and play double headers to try and get the, the tournament played with the final round about the end of May. With no overseas players? Well, uh, remains to be seen, I suppose. Yeah. If they're not allowed to travel, then yeah. maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's part of me which feels that you, you should be able to play some championship cricket. But I suppose if, you know, if the players start to get sick, if, you know, if someone had the virus and they had to self-isolate, then players become you know, twitchy about that, don't they? And, and clubs say, well, we, you know, we really need to, everyone needs to self-isolate and the government advice is you know, gradually changing and it may well change again very soon that you know, people have to work at home and, and, you know, and, and cricket is, is part of that and, and just gets canned. Uh, you, you'd think, I don't know, you'd, you'd think a championship match, players are not that close to each other and and they're outdoors, but it's all it's all changing so quickly. What would you feel if you if you were a player now? What would you feel about the current situation? I'd feel uh, slightly irritated. Uh, I, I'd feel like I should play. I, I'd want to play in these uh, conditions because I feel okay. If someone gets ill, they they get sent home and they get the right sort of treatment, and obviously they're isolated from everybody else. But I sort of feel that we owe it to the public. If we are being paid to, to be mm. professional cricketers, it's part of our job to, to keep the show going on. In fact, my mum was saying uh, recently that, that she remembers, she's, she's 89, and she remembers during the war, the theatre shows went on, even mm. during bombing raids, theatre would carry on. My Both my parents were in the theatre, not then, but... Uh, they, my mum was only ten, but my father had just started a theatre career, and you know they the show went on, and I would feel that as a cricketer, unless you know everybody became sick. Obviously, um, I feel that you want to play yeah. as a, a a donation to people's suffering, really, to give them something to watch and support and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I have this sort of half an idea that you you, know, you could put every round of Championship match on on Sky TV, and so there'll be something for people to watch and what are going to be quite 
difficult days really ahead. There's not going to be that much to to enjoy. Uh, it's, it's going to be hard. But I mean, I can also see the the huge problems as well within a sporting team. I mean, you are okay. You're in, in a dressing room. You're quite close. If if if, if the virus was, was passed on between uh, one or two players, and you can you can totally understand how people would feel. Oh, should we really be coming together and and, and doing this? And, you, and ultimately, you think it, it, it's not really worth it. You can you can see where that idea would would come, and it's it's clearly happened in football, hasn't it? I think the, the pressure in the end came from uh, you know within the clubs to say, hold on a second, you know, such and such has, has got the virus. Arteta at Arsenal, you know, we were in contact with them last week. You know, this isn't really working for us, and people start to withdraw and and. and and, and feel we don't want to be part of this, and it needs to needs to stop. So you can you can sort of understand the the players' view on that, uh, but yeah, lots of other people are, are still going to work and and being in offices. Some of that, of course, might well change quite radically. As far as giving people something to do during the, the the lull when perhaps there isn't any cricket to watch, well, you've uh, you almost burnt your boats by <laughs> watching almost the entire eight episodes or the entire eight episodes yeah. of the Test, which was this documentary crew that followed the Australian team around soon after the whole Sandpapergate incident happened. A crew got the the green light to follow the Aussies around for a year and a bit, and this. Program. This series of programmes includes both uh, the election of a new captain and coach, Tim Payne and Justin Langer, and takes you through all those Australian series from then on, right through losing to India in that series in Australia, the one-day series in India that followed, coming to England to play the Ashes, and uh, all the outpouring of all that. Yeah, I've, I've feared that they were not going to put the last test match in at the Oval when they actually lost the game. It was just going to end after they won the Ashes at Old Trafford, but that wasn't the case. And, and, in the, and just as well, as well, because it needed it. The star of the programme is Justin Langer, Australia's coach. I mean, he features in it more than anybody else. And you, get to, you get to sense his, his passion for the game. Um, at the start, as well, he's, he's sort of iron grip on the Australian team. And then what's, what's interesting is as time goes on, he realises that that might not be working and he needs to just sort of release that grip and let the players have control, almost like going from being Justin Langer to Trevor Bayliss, because I think that was sort of Trevor Bayliss's way of operating. He's not quite like that, but um, you know, let the players make the decisions, let the players run the team. His hand is still very strongly on the tiller, but at the start with start the programme, the first few episodes, first passage of, of time, he really does sort of control the team. And, he's, you know, he's got that sort of overall control. And it's, it's sort of, it is quite a, a firm grip. And it's fascinating, actually, because you think in terms of, you know, people running a cricket team, you think of the captain, but actually he's, you know, really strong part of that. You know, you, you almost sense that he's like a football manager running the team, certainly in the first half of the of his of his time that he's, yeah. he's been there so far and and i think often you find the best coach captain combinations do have those dovetailing characters so if you look at say england duncan fletcher and nasser saying mm. you know one really tough guy nasser and one slightly more benign character certainly superficially anyway duncan fletcher and i think that this is fits that mold really well 
Justin Langer, you know, quite a strong, like, intense sort of character, and Tim Payne, fairly laid back, but intelligent and observant. And I think they they took a long time, didn't they, uh, to for their sort of partnership to gel and for results to to occur, favourable results. It really they had to pretty much wait until Warner and Smith were back yeah. in the team, yeah. and that's suppose that's understandable because those two guys are are world class, but. You can see how a relationship between a, a soft, a softer captain and a harder coach can work. Yeah, he actually says in the in the document one point in the documentary he says, "What they were going to have Tim Payne as captain," and it, you know, Langer says, "What Tim Tim Payne? Are you sure?" He, you know, he says that in the documentary, so he clearly was thought that was a an odd appointment at the start. But as as time goes on, it does gel. It does it does seem to work. Although there's one. It's quite remarkable bits. I mean, there are, there are lots of run-of-the-mill stuff in it. Uh, you, you see the action, which we've all seen. You know, if, you, if you've got Sky Television or you followed the Ashes, say, you know, you'd have seen all the pictures. BT, actually. Some of it was on, of course, wasn't it? Some of the Australian matches were on BT. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you'd seen yeah, BT and Sky over here would have, would have shown the action. So you'd have seen lots of that. But you see it from, you see it from the coach's room, and, and it's, it's fascinating as a result of that. But there's that one... That every now and again, there's a bit that really makes you stand up and, and pay attention. And one of them is where, after the Headingley match, where Justin Langer says in a team meeting the day after, he gets them all in a team meeting the day after, and poor old Nathan Lyons there because he has to sit through and watch that that last wicket stand between Stokes and Leach. And he calls out Tim Payne at one point and he says, you know, why did you not bring the field up when Stokes was on strike for the last ball of the over with about sixty or seventy to win, something like that. And he, he just calls Tim Payne out, and Payne sort of tries to argue his case. And in the end, Payne just has to say, because Langer's not backing down, and Payne says, yeah, I, I got it wrong, I made a mistake. And then they talk to Payne afterwards, there's a separate interview, and he says, yeah, it was, you know, it was tough being in that, in that room where, as captain, I was called to account in front of everybody for, for you know, what was perceived to be a mistake, in which actually what I actually accepted was, was a mistake in the end. It's interesting when you have a coach who has that, uh, reputation in the game, you know, a great yeah. Justin Langer was really certainly in partnership with Matthew Hayden, and suddenly you've got players who haven't achieved even a quarter of what he did, being the captain or having a, a fairly pivotal role role in the team, and it must be quite hard for a captain actually to to deal with that because you know nowadays coaching often it's said, isn't it that the most successful coaches aren't necessarily the greatest players. And so, you know, the Trevor Baylisses of this world can defer to a captain uh, who has more playing credentials. So, you know, it wouldn't have been that easy for Tim Payne to deal with Langer's reputation and, and strength of character, in a way. But I think, actually, over time, he handled it well. And, and Aaron Finch captain of the one-day side, mm. similar sort of character to, to Payne, perhaps a bit more pugnacious as a batsman, but also quite a thinker. And he had that period in his ODI career a year ago or so ago where he couldn't get a run. Yeah. And suddenly he's looking internally to himself, thinking, I'm, I, I don't deserve my place in the team here, and I'm captain, and I've got this you know, very strong figure, Justin Langer, as coach. How do I handle this? And I think those are the sort of areas of this film which are probably, or this series, which are 
probably the most revealing. Yeah, you get a real, yeah, you get a real sense of the agony that Aaron Finch was going through when he was struggling t- to make a run, and just that feeling. I'm the captain. I'm supposed to be leading this team to the World Cup in a few months' time, and I just cannot get a run. I'm going to have to be dropped here. And there's a, a sequence where he, you know, he goes home and sees his dogs and his wife, and they're sitting on the sofa. And you know he just says I can't get an effing run, you know, to, to his wife, and he, he sort of he senses mm. absolute I remember, pain and frustration. Mm, I mean, I, I remember feeling desolate at times. I mean, the trouble with cricket is, and it, this probably happens, and I'm sure it applies to a lot of club players, amateur players, as much as it does professionals, because cricket, if you're quite a serious player. It really takes over your life, whether you paid for it or not. And you get home after a poor game, a poor day. And I, I, I was monosyllabic. You know, I couldn't speak to anybody. I just felt so down. And and yet, when you have a great day, you're you know you're absolutely exuberant, and you want to go out and celebrate. And it's actually quite hard to deal with for the partner because you have these sort of extremes of emotion, which the game rather influences. And to them, you know, they've just had a normal day. And yours, you know, you've gone from one extreme to the other in perhaps a couple of days. It must be hard for the for the partner of a player to deal with that. Yeah, well, and someone like Matthew Wade as well, there's a subplot to it, which was that his wife was due to give birth to their second child. And he was saying, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come to the ashes. I'm not going to play. You know, she's about to give birth. And in the end, she says, no, no, go. You know, this is this is so big for you. And so he has to leave her, and his wife you know, gives birth at home, and it's a real sense of the wrench. And you'd really get a sense of the person as opposed to just the test cricketer. When you see Matthew Wade sort of chirping away at Joffrey Archer and chirping away, generally you tend to think of him as you know being a fairly abrasive sort of character. But then you also see you know, see the story behind the the scenes as well, the sort of personal sacrifices that families have to make to have that sort of success in their in their lives. I suppose well, certainly in in Wade's life, you know, go and be part of an Ashes a successful Ashes team. And, and look at you know there are little clips of of David Warner, Andy, and Steve Smith in tears. After the sandpaper gate, when they've been suspended, that is obviously a slightly different thing. But what I'm saying is, you've got hard, you know, real gritty, gimlet-eyed Aussies mm. breaking down under certain pressures, which sport does create. Mm. Some things are left out, and actually, the Warner tour of England, the Test tour of England, is obviously see at the start and a little bit as well when he's having success in in the World Cup. But once the Test series starts, you don't you don't see a lot of that. You don't have a mm. sense of the 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 problems that he was having, that's sort of glossed over. Other little bits and pieces that I picked up as well. Usman Khawaja, you can commentate on a day's cricket where Khawaja's playing in the field and you almost not notice him. He's, he's sort of quiet presence, but not in this. He, and he comes across as a, a really forthright cricketer. He, he's certainly not a, a yes man. There are situations where you know he stands up to Justin Langer and you, you see the two of them at one point you know, really, really openly disagreeing with each other. And, you know, Kawaja sort of questioning Langer in a, in a team meeting and Langer sort of coming back at him as well. I mean, so there are those moments where you, you really do uh, take notice. Yeah, I, I, funnily enough, he reminds me sometimes a bit of Mark Ramprakash when he was a player because Mark was mostly quite benign and, 
you, know, you didn't notice him particularly, especially in the field. But sometimes, occasionally, my goodness, he would be really fiery and completely disagree with someone and really oh, was a point the finger. And actually, I think people like that are good for a dressing room mm. because you need someone to speak their mind occasionally mm. and even take on the, the senior figure of the coach, makes everyone think. I think sometimes it, it gives uh, players who perhaps haven't got the confidence to speak up to do so. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a valuable input from Kawaja there. Yeah, and the, the players actually, they do also rib Langer over time as well because I mean, there's one point when they start to win again and they, they someone makes the point that, you know, something remarkable happened today. We actually saw our coach smile. You know, we haven't <laughs> seen him smile for a year, but today we saw him smile. And, and Langer takes it, you know, Langer takes it well. I mean, you, you noticed something as well about the about the, the whiteboard when yeah. they turn up for the, the day's test cricket. Well, I think it's it's impressive that the players generally were so free with their time and, and mm. able to uh, entertain the fact of a camera in the dressing room, yeah. which is something that, that I don't think the England players have quite got accustomed to the idea of yet. And, you know, in American sport, there are cameras around the locker rooms all the time. But certainly the Australians were, were, were very... They seemed fairly amiable and happy with the, the camera knocking around. And I think... Do you think over time you just you don't notice you, it there? You probably get used to it and you get used to the camera operator mm. and so on. But I think also Australia are a bit ahead of us in the way they deal with the media and their embracement of the media. So uh, what Langer points out is when they come into the dressing room every day, there's this whiteboard listing all the media commitments for each player. And in the past, that whiteboard would have had warm-ups at quarter to ten, uh, nets one, two and three with X, Y and Z in each net and each bowler and so on, and then fielding practice at 10.15 or whatever. Mm. But now the whiteboard has 9.45, Pat Cummins, Fox TV, 9.50, Mitchell Stark, 7 TV, then various radio station appointments and press appointments and press appearances, listing through practically the whole day when they're not playing. Yeah, and we both worked on BT's coverage of the Australian uh, cricket season, and they Fox have introduced what they call the, the flying fox, which is spider cam that normally records the action, actually goes in and they use that for interviewing the players. So you now you see on Australian cricket coverage, you see players being interviewed at the drinks break. And as you, the more you watch it, the more you become used to it. But it, it does seem really weird. And they don't say very much. I mean, often they just want to have a chat with their partner, don't they? You want to reassess the situation. But they, they, you know, they, they're giving their time. They'll, they'll give a couple of answers while they're having their their drink and and actually I, I did the match on uh, Friday morning the the one day international that survived before New Zealand went home where they used the flying fox to do the toss interviews because no media person was allowed within two meters of the players so Brendan Julian was doing it from a, a distance and the and the flying fox was in there with the captains and, and the match referee and they were they were doing it remotely I mean it was, it was a really surreal day no crowd as well players you know full one day international Australia New Zealand you know going at it with no one in the, the Sydney cricket ground 48,000 empty seats and there was one situation as well where Finch heaved one into the stands up into the seats on, on one side of the ground and poor old Lockie Ferguson had to go up the stand and look underneath the seats and <laughs> have a look for the ball before he you know he chucked it back. It was a it was a most bizarre occasion and I suppose, you know, if 
county cricket were to be played in this country, and you know, I, I accept, even though I said you know it'd be great if it, it did go ahead, I accept it's a, it's a big if. And you know, we learned today that you know Surrey have got six players that are, are self isolating, and that you know that tends to create a bit of a feeling of do we really want to play, and do, do the players really want to get together? You know, you you could you know you could see a situation where it is played behind closed doors, and that's not ideal. Um, some people say, well, actually. County cricket feels if it's played behind closed doors, but you know people do. You know people yeah. do turn up to watch and do give yeah. it do give it an atmosphere. Um, do you think they have to sanitise the spider can before it interviews players? And, and actually, I was wondering about the ball. Say, say you do play county cricket mm-hmm. in this current environment, and crowd are allowed in. Mm-hmm. Say the ball gets hit into the crowd and somebody catches it and throws it back. Mm-hmm. Does it need a a bit of um, you know cleaner De- dettol or something. Yeah, on does it. it need desanitising? I don't know. You might have that situation. You know when a, a batsman plays the ball onto the pitch and someone from the fielding side says, "Don't touch it." You know, don't pick it up. You might have to have that. You know, it goes into the crowd. Don't don't touch it. We'll we'll go and get it ourselves. We're going to you know, get Lockie Ferguson again, get the ball back from the from the stand. We're being slightly facetious. I mean, it's a difficult time for for everyone involved in. In well, just for everyone, but you know, obviously we're closely associated with with sport, and it's it, it's a hugely difficult time. That sort of sense of uncertainty. I mean, as a player, if you were starting the season now or preparing for the the season now, I mean, you just w- really wouldn't know what to expect. I mean, having said that, you know, the players are you know all practicing together, aren't they? They're in these these tents at Merchant Taylor School and and at the Oval. Uh, you know, they are practising away together. It's a very confusing time, and you'll have your uh, mates when you're playing and practising, just concentrating on cricket and enjoying that uh, opportunity, and then you get home and your partner or your friend or you know somebody who's outside the game might be saying to you, did you see what happened today? You know, the Premiership uh, is all off and they're not playing any sport. Mm. And you start, start feeling guilty and, yeah. well, are we doing the right thing? And yeah. that sort of creates uncertainty and in the end you you take the the easier option which is to say well we're going to try and keep the podcast going even though there's no actual cricket to talk about we'll come up with some innovative subjects to hopefully keep you entertained over the next few weeks until cricket's back it's the least we can do hope you've enjoyed today goodbye for now thanks for listening Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.